So good evening again and welcome as we've embarked on this exciting journey in discipleship. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at who God is, what is God like. We looked at his attributes. We've looked at his virtues, at his nature. Last week, we looked at man. Who is man? And we saw that God created us a three-part being, which is body, soul, and spirit. Remember the word trichotonomous and some call it dichotonomous, the inner man and the body. And today I want to continue by looking at who Jesus is. We mention his name so many times. If you call yourself a Christian, then you must believe in Jesus. Now, if people ask you about Jesus, what is your answer going to be? And the question is, do you know him? For this study, and I'm going to break it over two weeks, we're going to look at five aspects of Jesus. First of all, we're going to look at his pre-existence. And then we're going to have a look at his incarnation, and those two I'll do tonight. And next week, we're going to look at his life, at his death, and then at his resurrection. And all of these are unique to Jesus. There is no man on the face of the earth that what you're going to hear tonight can make lay claim to that. Only one can, and that is Jesus. So let's look at this. And the first scripture verse that I want to open up is John chapter 1. And if you are a disciple, a new disciple, if you are a new Christian, if you came to be born again recently, this is where you start. You start in the book of John and chapter 1. And I want to spend some time on the first few verses. Because this lays the foundation of your Christianity. If you understand these verses, you already has embarked on knowing Jesus more and more about his pre-existence. So the first scripture verse is John chapter 1 verse 1. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. So this scripture verse here talks about Jesus Christ. And as we're looking at his pre-existence, we start off with the word here, in the beginning. That word there, in the beginning, is not the beginning of God. I want to be very clear about this. It is not the beginning of Jesus Christ. But it's the beginning of our lives. It's the beginning of our time. The word used here for beginning is the word arche. And that's where we find your English word archives from. And you know what is in the archives. In the archives is all of the history since it began and all of the things that happened during time. Everything has got a time slot. And we call it an archive. Now, when he talks here and he says, in the beginning, in Arche was the word. And we're going to come back to that word there, the word. But when he uses that word Arche and he talks about archives, we need to go back in the Bible and see where that word is used again or also. And we find this word used in Genesis chapter 1. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, it begins the same place. And you will find fascinating 
correlations between Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. So it says in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So here we get a connection coming back. The word beginning ties those two together. In John it says in the beginning was the word and in Genesis it says in the beginning which uses the Hebrew word Bereshith. In Bereshith God created the heavens and the earth. Now, as I said, this is not the start of God. This is the start of our archives, of man, of this planet, and of the universe. That's where it started. But God existed before that. Uh, take this scripture verse, for instance, in verse 3. He says, all things were made through him, through him. Now, think about that and contemplate if I'm going to build something. I go to Bunnings and I buy it and it's pre-packed and it's got a, a owner's manual and I need to build this thing. Before that thing is created by me or fashioned, I want to use that word, I had to exist before I can build that thing. I had to be there before. And I want you to think about the world in that concept. God had to be there before the world could have been created. And this is the proof of pre-existence. Beginning is a beginning for us, but if we look back into time, we can't find any date that we can put down as the beginning of God. God existed. He was always there. There is no word in our language that we can ascribe to the beginning of God. Now, that is the broad aspect. And as you know, in when it says in the beginning, God, he uses the word Elohim. We've discussed it a few weeks ago. It talks about the plurality of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now we're looking at the Son. We're looking at Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? And what is his pre-existence? Then we look at again at John chapter 1. He says, in the beginning was the word. Now, that word there for the word is the word logos. And we will unpack it a little bit further. But let me just show you a few correlations between Genesis chapter 1 and, and John chapter 1. In verse 4 of John, he says, in him, this is in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. Now, if you bring light, there had to be darkness. Okay, so darkness exists. Light comes in. Darkness is the absence of light. It says here in this verse, in him, in Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. So in other words, the darkness can't comprehend or uh, cover the light. The light comes in, darkness disappears. Light removes, darkness reappears. This is important concept. Because if we look at Genesis chapter 1 again, 
and we look at verse 2 now he says the earth was without form and it was void and what what was hovering there it says and darkness was on the face of the deep darkness because there was no light absence of light and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters then god said let there be light and there was light connect these two to each other in john it says in him was life and that life was light it's in a spiritual sense when he talks that we as mankind were living in darkness the absence of light so he had to send light into our darkness so that the darkness can dissipate the darkness can go away the reason why man is still in darkness is because of the absence of light is it good to know that this light that came into our lives pre-existed before everything was created in fact he created everything now let me come back to that word there logos he says in the beginning was the word the greek word there for word is logos it means the written word and the word this logos was with god and the word was god now in my translation in my bible new king james king james version the word there for word is with a capital letter and there's a reason for that because that word there is jesus christ you can in fact say in the beginning was jesus and jesus was with god and jesus was god now there's a lot of false religions who puts an a in there they say that the word was a god this is not true jesus is lord jesus is god and this is our foundation it's fundamental to us to understand and to know that so if this was then jesus and it says in the beginning was jesus it shows towards his pre-existence before our time now we know we know that he was born and we're going to look at that in his incarnation but before he was born as man he existed and the bible is full of proofs of that now let's continue on in verse verse 9 john chapter 1 verse 9 says that that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world so when we are born by nature and we're going to look in a few weeks time about sin but when we were born we were born in darkness and this was the true light jesus christ the word who came and he gives light to every man who came coming into the world he was in the world and the world was made through him he the world was made through him go back to genesis remember in the beginning god was there before he had to be there before he could make the earth and the world did not know him what an indictment that the world that he created do not know him and this is true today there's a lot of people who still don't know him there's self-professing christians who don't still don't know him and here it says he is the light but they still opt and they still choose to operate in darkness in verse 11 he says he came to his own and his own did not receive him he came to the jews they rejected him but as many 
as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor the will of flesh nor the will of man but of god and this talks about being born again to those who believe in his name it is critically important to believe in his name why because what happens then you were then born from above now again this is talking about jesus and it says in verse 14 now that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and full of truth so we're talking about the pre-existence of jesus christ and we see in these verses that established already that god was before the earth we see that jesus had a relationship with the father in these verses verse 1 he says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and it was there but he also had a relationship with the world in verse 3 all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made so he had that relationship already with the father and with the world now jesus himself talks about his pre-existence in john chapter 8 verse 53 jesus was talking to his own people and they were talking about the prophets and we find this narrative now where he addresses them about abraham remember abraham was in the old testament many many years before jesus walked on the earth now jesus talks about this he says in john 8 verse 53 are you greater than your father abram who is dead they ask him the question and the prophets are dead who do you make yourself out to be you see we are looking at who jesus is first thing that we learn about him is his pre-existence he was here before everything jesus answered if i honor myself my honor is nothing it is my father who honors me of whom you say that he is your god i love it when jesus speaks like this yet you have not known him but i know him you see he had that relationship with the father i know him and if i say i do not know him i shall be a liar like you but i do know him and keep his word there's two words that you and i as a child of god can take as our motto i do know him and keep his word in verse 56 then your father abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad then the jews said to him wait a minute this doesn't make sense jesus you are not yet 50 years old i i i believe he was in his 30s and have have you seen abraham how can you talk about abraham have seen my day and he rejoiced in it in other words you are claiming that abraham saw you how is this possible you see the blinkers was still on for them and jesus said to them and this is a very good verse where he talks about him he says most assuredly i say to you before abram was i am and that threw them they picked up rocks and stones they wanted to stone him before abram was i am talks about him before abraham we saw the evidence of him 
before the earth was created. In John chapter 14, he prays this priestly prayer. Wonderful passage. I love John 17 because he prays to the Father and he prays for three. He prays for himself, his disciples, and then he prays for us. But in verse 4, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. This particular part in verse 4, John 17, 4, really, really resonate because if you think about it, I have finished the work which you've given me to do. What was that work? It was to die on the cross for a sinful people. Remember, he said that he was the light, that the light uh, in him was life, and that life was the light for man who was in darkness. So the way that you and I get that light was for him to die. That's the work that God gave him to come and do. Now he says it, and this is so fascinating that he said these words even before he died on the cross. So they didn't take his life. It wasn't because their soldiers were too strong. It wasn't because he couldn't escape. He chose to go to the cross. He made up his mind. This verse, the prayer before he went to, to Calvary, he says, I've finished the work which you've given me to do. And then he went to die on a cross. But this is the verse I want to come to. I, I went a little bit off track there. In verse 5 he says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. What more proof do we need that Jesus was a pre-existing? He says here to the Father, he says, I'm going to die. The only way that he can go back to the Father, because he was now in a human body, was for this human body to die. Then he can be reunited with the Father. And this is what he's talking about. He says, glorify me together with yourself. In other words, I am going to die with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He existed before the world. This is what we know about him. Now, again, when I started tonight, I said these aspects of Jesus, we need to find, uh, look at mankind and look at that. That is unique. That is so unique. No man on the face of the earth can lay claim to these things that Jesus laid claim to. No man can lay claim to be with the Father before the world was. Who are we? Uh, the Bible says that we are but like grass or a flower. Today we are here and tomorrow we are gone. He has been always here. I hope, you know, have been, has been. He's been here all the, all the time. He's outside of time. He's not, he hasn't got a watch like you and me and sticking off by that. He's got his own time. So it is so fascinating to understand that we are serving a pre-existing Christ. Nothing surprises him. The Bible says he's yesterday, today and forever the same. That's before time. So think again about it. When this world starts in the archives, in the beginning, Arche, the New Testament, Bereshit in the, in the Old Testament, that's when the history, the record of the earth started. He was before that. 
that's the Jesus that you and I serve. Makes me rather excited to serve a Christ like that. Now let's look at his incarnation. Now incarnation means to take a body of flesh and blood. That's what it means, incarnation, to come into. And we're looking at Jesus and the second aspect of Jesus is this incarnation. The, the pre-existent Jesus who came and took on the body of a human being. Now again, I'm going to come back to this today and I'm going to back, come back to it next week, time and time again. No one else can lay claim to this. No man and not so, any one so-called gods. No one can. Jesus wasn't a prophet. He was God with us. And this is how he came to be with us. His incarnation. Now we read about this again in 1 John chapter, uh, John chapter 1 verse 14. Remember, he says, and the word, the Logos, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt amongst us. God became flesh, incarnated into a body of flesh and blood, and came and he lived amongst us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No one can lay a claim to that. That was the incarnated Christ. God with us, Emmanuel. And this is what we know more about Jesus. He wasn't just a mere man. He wasn't just a mere Jew. He came and he lived amongst us. Now, Paul writes about this as well in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, a very famous passage of mine and well-known he says, let this mind also be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind did Jesus had when he was on the earth? This mind, who being in the form of God. Remember when we just looked at his priestly prayer in, in John 17? He said, Father, glorify me with you before the world was. He, this is the same. He just connects that line. He says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God because he was God. But now he's incarnated. He's now found in a body of flesh and blood. Now he says in verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. He came in the likeness of men. Now, this is called kenosis. The word kenosis means a self-emptying. Now, this is critical to understand this because some people claim that he was fully God on the earth. And there is some people who say that when he was young, he did miracles by um, raising dead birds. That's all of a lot of nonsense. It's rubbish. Don't believe that stuff. No, no, he took on the form of a born servant. He came in a form of man. He kenosis. Kenosis is emptied out, all of those. And remember, when we learned about God a few weeks ago, we, we talked about his omnipresence. God is everywhere at the same time. We talk about his omniscience. He knows everything. We talked about his omnipotence. That he's all powerful. He is so, you know, not strong. He's so powerful. There's no power in the universe that can outpower God. When he came, he emptied himself of all of that. 
He was man just like we were or we are. Now, it is important to understand that we use this word kenosis and it means he didn't give it up. He didn't let it go. He just emptied himself of that. We find certain parts in, in the New Testament where, you know, he's got more insight about man in a situation. Where did that come from? Wisdom from God. But he was man with us, just like you and me. He was a man. He had to grow up as a baby. He had to run and fall and get, you know, cry about pains in his body. Just like any normal person, the bond servant. He had to grow up with hunger pain sometimes. He had to grow up to learn a trade. He was a carpenter. So, but he emptied himself out of the, the God's godly uh, characteristics he had to be living on this world just like you and I did. You see, he made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a bondservant and came in the likeness of man. Now, this could only come via a virgin birth. If you think about this now, how was Christ incarnated? How did he become uh, uh, flesh and blood? Now, God is all-powerful. We just said it now. He's omnipotent. So he could have at one stage just made Jesus and boom, dropped Jesus down from heaven. And all of a sudden in your suburb tomorrow, there's a new person who came in and it's Jesus. It's God with us. He could have done that. God can do anything. But he chose not to do it that way. He chose to have a proper way for Jesus to come into the world. And this now comes to the virgin birth, via the virgin birth. And we find this line about the virgin birth right through the Bible, right through it. And it had to be a virgin birth. And there is so many from the liberal side who's trying to question this fact that it was a virgin birth. I won't go into that. But let's follow this line now. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, right after sin entered in, God appeared to man. They were hiding from him. God says, Adam, Adam, where are you? He's hiding from God and then God comes to them. In Genesis 3:15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent here, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your heel and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, head. You shall bruise his head and you shall bruise his heel. When he talks about seeds here, there's two seeds here. The one is a capital letter seed already pointing towards Jesus Christ. Open up in your Bible. Pause the video right here and look at it. It's important. Genesis 3.15 I will put enmity, which is uh, a division between you and the woman, between you, the snake, and the woman. And between your small letter seed and her seed. So that already tells us that the Christ was going to come through the woman. And then we pick it up in Isaiah chapter 7 and in verse 14. He says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. What sign? God speaking through the prophet. He says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And again, if you pause the video here and open up in your Bible, don't just look on the screen here, you will find that that is the capital letter son pointing towards Christ and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. It is so perfectly clear. 
This is the prophecy that God will give his son through a virgin, through a virgin. And then we jump forward and we see in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, he says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. As his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. Now that th word therefore becoming together means in a sexual relationship. They didn't come together. They didn't, they didn't know each other. Um, so there was no sexual relationship between Joseph and Mary at this point in time. It's different than from our day where people can just live together or, or they break this. Though back in the day, it wasn't, you, you wouldn't do that. And at this point in time, it didn't happen. They didn't come together. So it says here now, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. This is how it happened. Now the Holy Spirit impregnated her. Not through our thought process, not the way that we see that happening, but he planted within her the seed that would grow and become our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the first steps of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God with us. Now, there was no challenge against this in the early church, none, about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It was only liberalism that started questioning the virgin birth. And let me say that it's going to be tested and it's going to be challenged more in, in coming years and going forward. It's tested right now because that's the foundation. That's the foundation of the incarnation of Christ. But Mary asked the question herself to this. When the angel appeared to her in Luke, Luke chapter 1 in verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? See, again, I come back to the previous verse, which says she was betrothed to Joseph, but they didn't come together. She did not know him in that respect, in a sexual sense. In Luke 1.37, God answers her. He says, For with God nothing is impossible. And isn't it fascinating Fascinating to see a prophecy out of Isaiah being fulfilled right in front of our eyes in the Word of God. And we've got the proof of that. Again, there is no God upon the universe who can lay claim to this. This, this absolutely fascinates me that the atheist can't put these things together or the agnostic. This is total proof. For with God, nothing is impossible. Matthew 1.18 again, I bring you back to that verse. He says, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was and is genuinely divine. But he was also totally man. Man like us. And this gives me comfort and hope. Because our Lord lived here like I did, maybe in different cultures, different circumstances and so on. But as a person, as a man, the same way. We find a lot of evidence of that through the Bible. And we'll end with the evidences tonight. In Luke 2.52, he says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in the favor of God and men. This tells us that 
Jesus, as he grows up, had to do like all of us, go to school, learn. Now, he was a Jewish boy. He had to go to the synagogue. They had to learn the Pentateuch, which is uh, the first five books of the Bible. They had to read the prophets, which they all did as young Jewish boys, up to the age of 12, to their bar, bar mitzvah. Uh, after that, they would go into their trades. And we find here that Jesus, who was born, incarnated through the virgin birth, grew up. And he had to, 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 to learn and to go to school. And, and he increased in wisdom and stature. And that even found favor with God and men. That makes him a man. Like you and you and me. He makes, makes him that he, he went through the same things than us. In Mark 6 verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. When he saw the people, he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the village's circuit and teaching. So he, he was a man like us. There's things upon that he saw with his face and eyes on this earth that made him marvel. The word there for marvel is gobsmack. Huh? That is what it is all about. And then um, when he was talking about the coming of the Son of Man, in Mark 13, 32, uh, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So there were certain things that when he was on the earth, that he didn't know. He said it there, otherwise he's a liar. By the coming, they asked him, when will the coming of the son of man be? And he, and he said this, that hour, no one knows. The angels don't know it, nor does the son know it, only the father. Now, the question is, does he know it now? Of course, I would believe he knows it now because he's now glorified with the Father. He knows exactly when he's going to come back. Reigning, tri triumphant. John chapter 4, four verse 6. Um, now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So he was in this body. He got tired. Now, if you honestly tell me that he was, he didn't take on the form of man, totally man, and he was only God with all of that, that omnipotent power, um, he wouldn't get tired. He would be going on and on and on. He wouldn't get tired. God never tires. You know, if you talk about God took a rest in Genesis chapter, in Genesis when he created the heavens and the earth, and on the sixth day he rested. It's not because he was tired. God never tires. So here we see that he walked, Jesus, when he was with us on the earth, and he got tired because he was totally man. This is important to understand and to know. In Luke 19.41, now, uh, as he draw near, he saw the city and he wept over it. So he, he, he wept, he cried, like we cried over things. Things made him sad. This is who Jesus is that we are following. This is my Lord that I'm following. Why is this important? Why is it important to know that he was incarnated? It is very important because it gives us hope. It gives us faith to know that he was here with us and he experienced everything that we've experienced. For this is the verse that really, really ties it all together tonight. And I'll finish with that. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. 
for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. What is the high priest? To Old Testament uh, um, practice, to have a high priest, priest of priests. And this priest once a year will go into the Holy of Holies and he will present blood as a covering for the sin of the nation before the Holy God. He will intercede. He will come before God. He will ask God to sympathize on the people behind him. Every single Jew, his nation, once a year, the high priest's duty is to come before God, to intercede before between man and God. So here we say that we do not have a high priest, all of those in capitals, because now it talks about Jesus. Remember in the priestly prayer in John 17 again, when he said, Father, uh, glorify me with you where I was before the world was made. When he died, he was resurrected and then he ascended on high. Where did he go? Where did he go? Where, did, where is Jesus today? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And here we find that we, we don't have a high priest. Remember the high priest who came into the Holy of Holies with the blood of animals. Here, our high priest, he went through death as the Lamb of God died on the cross with his own blood. Then he ascended on high into the Holy of Holies, which is now in heavenly places. Come into the presence of the Father and he presented his blood for us as our high priest. But that high priest, like in the Old Testament, the high priest lived amongst the people. He was one of the people who could come before God with that blood. He was one of the people. He experienced the pain. He experienced the laughter. He experienced everything of the people. And then he comes before the Father and gives that blood. Similarly, Jesus Christ now as our high priest with his own blood, he lived amongst us. He was one of us. He experienced our sadness, Luke 19, 41. He wept. He experienced our joy. He experienced everything we had. Comes with this blood now. Comes before the Father and presented to the Father. Now, I didn't finish that scripture verse in Hebrews 4, 15. And it finished like this. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, the perfect priest, the perfect priest. So why is it important for you and for me to know about the incarnation of Jesus Christ? Everything that I say to you now is nullified if you take the incarnation away. If God just dropped in whoop, and became a man amongst us, in as God, as walking around with his robe and with his power and omnipresent and everything and make up a following and he's God, this would be nullified. He could not then have been our high priest. Nullified. He had to come and live with us. He had to be incarnated. Let no one deceive you. Let no one take away the incarnation of Christ. It is as important as any aspect in the Bible. The virgin birth. So there's two things to do tonight that I've 
that I've touched on, the pre-existence of Christ. He was before everything was. And then the incarnation of Christ. These two things is important things to know about Jesus. And I hope and my prayer is that your faith will be grown by knowing that that is the Christ that you serve. And that's the Christ that you follow. And that's the Christ who intercede for you. In your darkest time, in your most difficult times, that is the Christ that you want to, to have. For God, with God, nothing is impossible. Now, next week, as I said, we will continue with who Jesus is. We will look at his life that he lived. We will look at his death. And then we will look at his resurrection. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we could learn tonight about your pre-existence. There is no time with you. And we thank you for that. Help us in the time that we are living, Lord. You know time better than us. And then, Father, we also thank you for the incarnation of Christ who came and lived and dwelt amongst us. That is the absolute sign of love. Love that you gave us through your Son. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.